This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. As promised, we're going to have a special show today in commemoration of our nation's birthday and the upcoming July 4th holiday. It's been our enormous privilege to interview a great American right out of our history books, General Chuck Yeager. We plan to speak with uh, General Yeager in our second segment and probably our third segment today. You had a lot to say and we want to give it all to you. But let us start today's show as we like to do with On This Date in History, the date in question being the first of July. It was on July 1st in the year 96 when two Egyptian legions hailed Vespasian, a Roman general, as the true emperor of Rome. This followed the corruption and mismanagement of the government of Vitellius. Vespasian did make his way to Rome and did serve as emperor for a while, fulfilling a prophecy made by the Jewish writer Josephus. Upon being captured by General Vespasian, Josephus proclaimed that he was a bit of a fortune teller. I guess he read Vespasian's palm and saw a big future for him, which turned out to be correct. And I suppose there's a lesson in that somewhere. I'm just not sure what it is. But I'm also sure that uh, Josephus's fine bit of fortune telling is one reason that we have his histories to this day. He surely bet on the right horse there. Apparently on this same date in the year 1200, sunglasses, which were made of rock crystal, were first demonstrated in China during the Ming Dynasty. And I must confess, I had no idea the Chinese had invented sunglasses. The things you learn doing research for this program. All right, from the Good Idea file, on July 1st in 1840, the first prepaid postal stamps were issued in Great Britain. Their use spread rapidly throughout the world. Eighteen years later on this date, in 1858, a paper by English naturalist Charles Darwin outlining his theory of evolution and natural selection was read before the Linnaean Society in London. This turned out to be another idea that rapidly spread throughout the world. On July 1st in 1939, Roy Plunkett of Kinetic Chemicals, a subsidiary of the DuPont Company, filed a patent application for Teflon. Another good idea. And to round out our selection of events that took place on July 1st, we'll go out with one final good idea. It was on July 1st in 1968 that the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty was signed by the United States, Great Britain, and the Soviet Union, along with 58 other nations. While this did not stop nuclear proliferation, it certainly slowed it down. Our quote of the day, and we've used it before, but it deserves another turn, comes from Mark Twain, who once said, Always do right. It will please some people and astonish the rest. And, uh, you know, Mark Twain passed away a hundred years ago. And, you know, know, we've received some good news that apparently when Mark Twain passed away a hundred years ago, he left behind an autobiography that he insisted not see the light of day until a century had passed. We were informed of this by Chris. I want to thank you for that, Chris. And we, like you, are keenly looking forward to what finally sees the light of day. And our bonus quote from Mark Twain, and who could resist Samuel Clemens, was, I came in with Halley's Comet in 1835. It's coming again next year, 1910, and I expect to go out with it. It will be the greatest disappointment of my life if I don't go out with Halley's Comet. 
The Almighty has said no doubt. Now here are these two unaccountable freaks. They came in together. They must go out together. And uh, curiously, it turns out that in 1910, uh, observatories picked up Halley's Comet on April 9th. It reached perihelion on April 20th. And Twain did indeed die the next day. The Earth made its closest approach to the comet the next month, on the 19th of May, during which we actually passed through its tail. So it looks as though Twain, as was the case with so many things, uh, nailed it. Our quip of the day comes from psychologist Kenneth Bancroft Clark, who said, Pride, like humility, is destroyed by one's insistence that he possesses it. Our stat of the day, according to the Angus Reid public opinion poll, is that 55% of Americans agree with the statement that a politician who commits adultery, quote, lacks the integrity to hold public office, unquote. 31% say adultery should not be a factor in judging politicians. And our related bonus stat is that AshleyMadison.com, the, adulter- the adultery-oriented website whose slogan is, Life is Short have an affair, has bid $25 million for the five-year naming rights to the New York Jets' new pro football stadium in New Jersey. The Jets have declined the offer. And it appears that not a single politician is coming forward to back up AshleyMadison.com. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week a few weeks back for being politically correct when the Minnesota Department of Human Rights decided to outlaw Ladies' Night, ruling that offering women discounted drinks is a form of gender discrimination. In defense of the practice, the Minnesota Tavern Association said that men liked Ladies' Night, noting, if you've got 200 ladies, well, you've got 400 men. Which we would add, and you know, they're all drinking. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for man's best friend. A couple weeks back, after an Iranian cleric, the Grand Ayatollah Nasser Makaram Shirazi, issued a fatwa condemning the new Western-style trend of keeping dogs as pets. Said the Ayatollah, dogs are unclean, adding, there are a lot of people in the West who love their dogs more than their wives and children. For the record, Radio Parallax approves of having dogs as pets. Just not having them live inside the house with you. And in particular, sleeping in the bed with you. Which does introduce the time for the joke of the day. Wherein a man, being invited over to dinner, looks down and asks his pal, How come your dog's looking at me so funny? To which the guy responds, well, probably because you're eating off his plate. A sad joke, we realize, but then again, kind of a sad topic. We hate to be found in agreement with the Grand Ayatollah Nasser Makaram Shirazi. But you know, a lot of people in the West do love their dogs more than their wives and children. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for health reform. After a Michigan woman who was without health insurance shot herself in an attempt to get medical attention. 
Kathy Myers, age 41, said she injured her shoulder a month ago but was told that without insurance, it would have to be life-threatening or imminent danger for them to do anything. So Myers then shot herself in the shoulder and returned to the hospital. But as it turned out, the doctors who treated the gunshot wound ignored the previous injury. Said Myers, I really didn't accomplish what I hoped I would accomplish. Well, Radio Parallax would editorialize that, well, it didn't pan out, but at least she gave it a shot. How about this from the Only in America file? A Rhode Island second grader violated his school's no weapons policy when he glued toy soldiers to his hat. David Morales, age eight, chose the patriotic theme for a class project, but school officials objected to the tiny guns on the little plastic men, pointing out that they did, in fact, (laughs) violate the school's weapons policy. Said a school official, apparently an incredibly stupid school official, the issue for us was the zero tolerance for weapons. And no, Radio Parallax has no idea of how people that stupid can actually be in positions of power. To which we would further add, the opinions you hear on this program do not, of course, necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regions of the University of California. Which, to our knowledge, takes no stand against little plastic pistols three millimeters long. All right, let's go to the oddball file for a few items. First, a Mexican matador was arrested and charged with breach of contract after he got scared and ran out of the ring in the middle of a bullfight. Yes, apparently Christian Hernandez, age 22, had been badly gored a few months ago. Last week, when the bull charged toward him, he dropped his cape and leapt over the wall, drawing hoots and boos from the crowd. Police released him after he paid a fine. Said Hernandez, there are some things you must be aware of about yourself. I didn't have the ability. I didn't have the balls. This is not my thing. He then announced his retirement. We applaud the introspection of Christian Hernandez. And ask, as we've asked before in this program, why it is in the 21st century people still consider bullfights to be a form of entertainment. And speaking of people in the public eye looking inward, Sean Penn is reportedly finding himself down in Haiti. That's according to Douglas Brinkley writing in Vanity Fair. The actor admitted that his life bottomed out last year when he split with his wife of 11 years, Robin Wright. She's like a ghost to me now, said Penn. We spent all those years together. Now she's just gone. Helping the earthquake victims, he said, has given him a newfound sense of purpose and has helped him recover his sense of the bigger picture. They've given me back something I thought I'd lost. My humility. Which returns us back to our quote of the day, which was pride, like humility, is destroyed by one's insistence that he possesses it. Or perhaps in this case, that he's been handed it back. Anyway, Sean Penn's actually a pretty good guy. We wish him well in Haiti. And perhaps his public display of humility, or or whatever it is, as he works out of a relief camp in Haiti, will actually help more people down there. And if you think America's got just a few too many lawyers, you may enjoy this item. The National Pork Board says it knows that unicorns don't exist, but it was protecting its trademark when it issued a cease and desist warning on the online retailer ThinkGeek for calling a fake unicorn meat product, quote, the new white meat, unquote. 
Yes, apparently the fictional canned meat described as an excellent source of sparkles was an April Fool's joke. But the letter from the board's law firm was not joking. Which caused Scott Kaufman, president and CEO of GeekNet Inc., the parent company of Think Geek, to say, We certainly offered our apologies. It was not our intention to confuse the public as to the attributes and qualities of the two meats. When we like to think that if you're confused about the qualities of pork meat and unicorn meat, that you're probably not listening to this program. And uh, speaking of this show, we had some fun several years back on a little comedy skit we did about uh, about someone uh, manning a phone bank from Texas with a suspiciously Indian accent. Well, how about this item from The Economist? Titled, The Growth of Legal Outsourcing, Passage to India, Subheadline, Companies and Law Firms are Turning to India for Cut Rate for cut-priced legal services. Said the magazine, Ritu Solanki, a 28-year-old lawyer with a degree from Nottingham University, spends most of her time drafting contracts and legal memos for a telecoms firm in Britain. She, however, is in Gurgaon, a high-rise satellite city on Delhi's edge, where she works for CPA Global, a legal outsourcing company. A lawyer with similar experience at a London law firm might charge up to $400 an hour for the sort of work Ms. Solanke does for $50 an hour. As law firms and corporate legal departments face mounting pressure to cut costs, an increasing number are choosing the Indian option. And although on this program we have long decried the practice of shipping jobs overseas, you know, when it comes to lawyers, I think we make an exception. If, dear listener, you've been stuck having to pay a lawyer three or $400 an hour, and if you've had to hire one, chances are pretty good you did, you're probably asking the same question the rest of us have asked. What are they doing to deserve this? The article later noted that many legal jobs, from court appearances to, to the handling of witness depositions, will never be outsourced. I would say to The Economist, don't be too sure. I've been in some courtrooms recently where... Phone calls were part of the legal proceedings. I've seen lawyers put on speakerphone and enter into, you know, what's going on in the court. And yes, so far as we know, they were still charging the three or $400 an hour to make a phone call. And I must say, nothing has brought me more sadness in contemplating America's higher education than the realization that so many productive minds have gone into law. And uh, on this, I'd like to quote Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, who was asked a couple years ago, you've said there are too many lawyers in the U.S. Why do you think that? Said Justice Scalia, I don't mean to criticize lawyers, just the need for so many lawyers. Lawyers don't dig ditches or build buildings. When a society requires such a large number of its best minds to conduct the unproductive enterprise of the law, something is wrong with the legal system which caused one wag to uh, cite the old quote, well, there's an old saying that a town too small to support one lawyer can always support two. <laughs> and speaking of adjudication, the controversy's heating up on the matter we mentioned in this show a few weeks ago about whether Drosophila melanogaster will be renamed. Yes, apparently the world-famous research fruit fly, um, well, looks like it's heading for a nomenclature change. 
And in New Scientist magazine, two conflicting opinions were sounded by Kim Vanderlyn and Amir Yassin, which we naturally were, will excerpt from. Said Kim Vanderlyn, The move to rename Drosophila melanogaster has arisen because the genus Drosophila, as currently defined in a chaotic hodgepodge of species that are related to widely varying degrees, well, cleaning up this royal mess to create a biologically consistent scheme will entail a name change. But she said, I think it's a bad decision. Changing a name as important as Drosophila melanogaster is asking for trouble. She goes on, for one thing, it flies in the face of name stability. What's more, many researchers have an emotional bond with the old name and will refuse to use the new one. Well, Kim Vanderlyn may be an evolutionary ecologist at Florida State University, but we'd have to say <coughs> to her argument. Whereas, said Amir Yassin, the great geneticist Theodosius Dobzhansky famously said, Nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. By this criteria, the genus Drosophila makes no sense. Most of its members belong to one of two subgenera, Sophophora and Drosophila, which are not actually very closely related. In fact, the subgenus Drosophila is more closely related to 20 other genera of small flies than it is to Sophophora. He then explains that Drosophila actually is closely related to the subgenus Sophophora. So it's time to change the name, pointing out that species names reflect biological reality more than genus names. And of course, he points out there's very good taxonomic reasons for doing this, adding that as for the emotional attachment to the old name, well, it didn't prevent astronomers from downgrading Pluto's status as a planet. He closed by noting that the current scheme of classification uh, no longer serves the purpose of indicating the degree of genetic relationship. So we have to change it. Have to say, Mr. McMillan? Yeah, that carries the day. All right, let's close this segment with one final genetics item. The fruit fly was one of the most celebrated animal subjects in the study of genetics, but then we have the following item here. First, it was Craig Vetner, then it was James Watson, and now Ozzy Osbourne, the Prince of Darkness, is set to have his genome mapped, apparently to figure out how he survived years of drug and alcohol abuse. Apparently, a Massachusetts-based genomics company, Gnome, is behind this stunt, claiming it will help reveal why some people can tolerate substance abuse more readily than others. This reminds us of our quote of the day from a few weeks ago. There's nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. Pretty sure that would include Ozzy Osbourne's genetic sequence. Anyway, let's take a short break and resume our chat with a man we admire very much. The legendary General Chuck Yeager. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. 